From Koningstein Road in the east to Cetus Gap in the west, an orange curtain has descended across the Ojai Valley. This is Ojai Talk of the Town. Hey everyone, Brett Bradigan, editor of your Ojai Magazine, the monthly and quarterly. So Ojai, as many of you know, famous for its beautiful architecture and the interiors featured many magazines, including an upcoming issue of the quarterly. So who better than Janelle Kenziora of Janelle's Interiors to sort of walk us through what goes on in all these gorgeous homes. Anyway, hope you enjoy. Hi, Janelle. Thanks for joining me. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we were just discussing uh, Bunko. So tell us about <laughs> your Bunko group, because that's how you all met. So, yeah, Aaron and I met through Bunko. Our good friend Marissa started it, and there was about 20 girls who just get together once a month. Sometimes we even play Bunko. It's just a good excuse to get together. Absolutely. I know. I've got poker groups like that. What is Bunko? I don't even really get it. You just roll dice, and it's like if you get ones, you win. Next round, twos, you win. Very simple. Yeah. Is it like teams? Um, yeah, it's kind of like you go in. It, it makes you mingle because you have to go the winning group goes to the next table and you kind of around the room. Nice. Like speed dating for <laughs> Ojai ladies. Yep. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Janelle Interiors, who just opened a new showroom and uh, we're business neighbors now. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about what you got going on right now. So, yeah, originally I was where Boku was for several years. Yeah. Well, before Boku, yeah, it was, I think, there was a Ford dealership and then you, right? Uh-huh. And I was there for about six, seven years. Um, and then went to my house. And it was great, especially during quarantine. It was nice to have the setup there. But I just had to get out of my house. And we found this great prop. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> this great space downtown. And um it was larger than we expected and we kind of just wanted to curate our own home decor place because we had the space to have these vignettes and show off our design skills yeah so that's the idea you bring you have a place to bring a client and get an idea what their tastes and preferences are and Mm -hmm. yeah before you look at their space or after well either or the idea for the store was is that when we're doing design clients we're always scrambling at the last minute to do the finishing touches and with the store we've kind of curated our favorite home decor and we can pretty much immediately just grab our inventory and finish the home right off the showroom floor yep wow that must feel satisfying for a client especially because i know these jobs can take a while yeah, we just did one in Andalando, and it worked out great. We literally just kind of stripped our shelves. Wait, Andalando? Andalando. It's um, the Ventura Hillside, you know, where the oh, Thomas Fire gotcha. is. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Am I saying it right? Andalando? I have no idea whether you're saying it right. As far as I'm concerned, you are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's worked out really well. Yeah. And what do you, what's like, uh, you know, um, it's just the... You know, how, how do businesses get started in Ohio? Like, what is the genesis? I'm always fascinated by that. There's so much, so much serendipity that goes into that. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I've always had my interior design business. So it definitely is, Ohio is an interesting place. So before you moved to Ohio. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this trying to just kind of find your way into the an Ohio market, I do feel like there's 
people that have been here for a long time and they have their certain designers or stores they go to. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's just, take. I feel like it's taken a while to kind of just break into the yeah, market. Develop and, a clientele. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where were you before? Well, I mean, I was in Minneapolis. That's where I started yeah, my design yeah. career. Your husband worked at a hotel there, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, he was downtown yeah. Minneapolis. He's uh, good friends with the uh, general manager of the Buffalo Bills. Brandon Beam. That is a hero to my people. Oh, really? Well, I'm from Buffalo. He's really sweet. I actually, we've got, 20 years ago, we used to go visit them. I know his wife. I mean, we were good friends. Weren't they? they uh, Chris and uh, Brandon came up together, right? Wasn't he lugging gear for the Jaguars or something? I think it was the Panthers, Panthers right? Because yeah. he was for the with the Panthers for a while. And then I think he was like a uh, water boy or got to be backstage. And he even took us to the Bank of America where the Panthers were and showed mm-hmm. us around. So he's a really good guy. You haven't I'll seen him bet. for a while because well, he's, he's busy. He, yes, <laughs> he really did a miraculous job turning that franchise around. Yeah. Yeah. As a Bills fan, we know two things, where to get beef on Kemowick and disappointment. Mm. <laughs> so this is a big step up for us. Nice. So, yeah, tell us, I'm just, what do you do? What do you do exactly? <laughs> um, for design, I mean, my current project and what I've been doing for a while, when I moved up here to Ojai, I was asked, my husband obviously works at the Ojai Valley Inn, and they asked me if I would be their FF&E procurement. So I do all their purchasing. So for the uh, past- Chris, uh, your husband is also a friend of the pod. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's been on here like about a year ago. Is that right? Yeah. It was post-pandemic or sort of in that period. Okay. Yeah. So I'm sorry, you were saying you were working so with the inn. The inn. So I- pretty much purchase all their furniture. I have been for about 11 years now. So I would say that takes up a lot of our time. I'll bet that's how many rooms, three plus, 300 plus? They're redoing their guest rooms right now. So that's a big project in the lobby. And they just bought Topa Mountain Winery. So they're kind of working on that right now, so. Yeah, well, what's going on with that? Is it gonna be an event space? You know, I don't of, know part if of they the inventory have, for weddings and, and so forth. They're just getting no. I mean, I think for the farmhouse and property, they're going to they might have some events there. But what I've heard is that they're going to just kind of make it a great winery with a restaurant and hmm. for locals and people at oh, the end nice. to go to. But that could change. You know, yeah, it's just sure. It depends on demand and phase. things that come up. But they would have it available for big groups. You know. It's a great property and the views there are nice. I know, I so love that place, yeah. I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, I live right across the street at Creekside. Oh. I go by there every morning. So you like when they have bands and have a great party? Uh, sometimes I can hear it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't <laughs> mind. I've got Nordoff High School on the other side, so they've got their marching band and their Friday night lights scene going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, uh, you know, I mean, that's a big client. So doesn't that kind of take a a lot or most of your time? Yeah, but I've always been doing interior design and that's my passion. So I still take on a few design projects just because that's what I love. So I really appreciate the work and working for the Ojai Valley Inn. But at the same time, like even right now, Aaron and I are working on a project in Indian Wells or Palm Springs area. Oh, wow. How did you pick up a client there? Well, we lived out there for over 10 years. Both her oh, kids were gotcha. born there. So I've, oh, I've done so many homes out there. Wow. Um, and I did a house for a client 20 years ago that lived out there. And I did her house in Tel Aviv, Israel. Really? And how many, how many trips did you take over? Well, at the time it was, uh, it was not, 
a very safe place, I was told, to go to. So I was Even working. Even Tel Aviv? I always thought Tel Aviv was pretty, pretty tame. That was just what I was told, or maybe yeah. my boss just didn't want me to leave. Yeah. <laughs> at the time, I was working at a design firm. And uh, it was, she was wonderful to work with. And now she has all this other work. She's doing another house in Tel Aviv, and then she has a house in PGA West that she wants done. And she had no, her I'm daughter. PGA West. PGA West, you know, the golfing oh, mecca. Oh, got you. Yeah. La Quinta, Palm Springs yeah. area. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had, she tracked me down, and then we yeah. we're starting to work on it. So just last week, we drove out there, and um, that's a fun project. I've already worked with her, so I enjoy having repeat clients like that. I'll bet, yeah, because every time they move, then there's another mm-hmm. bit of work, and you get to know their tastes and preferences, and it becomes a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I've done other, like, Las Posas Country Club, and, you know, I already said Topa Mountain Winery, so I just enjoy kind of having the residential and some of the commercial projects, and yeah. I'm always kind of up for a new challenge. Well, Palm Springs is a particular aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that, because it doesn't, you know, it's got to be significantly different from Ojai, but I don't, I don't know. I guess it all kind of floats around now. There's bits of pieces of, you know, these design aesthetics everywhere now. Yeah, the desert's kind of Mediterranean Spanish. I mean, they have really huge, great rooms, and the scale is bigger, larger than here in Ojai. So Ojai is a pretty great mixture of architecture. So it was actually kind of nice moving to Ojai because I was so used to doing design for 10 years. style. Very, yeah, it's hard to have a little diversity with like the design because you can change up the colors, but it's hard because, you know, like Frank Lloyd Wright, you don't want to design from the outside in. You can't really go mm-hmm. too off the beaten path. Is that part of the experience is that you follow the clients around or kind of time in motion? Do you get a sense of that for, you know, how you arrange their spaces? I mean, I just, I, th- I think when I'm doing design work, I'm just always trying to listen to the client and understand what they need and then also try to stay true to what would I do and what does this house need. So yeah. it's kind of just trying to marry those two things together and and finish it and so the client yeah. loves their home. Have you had, what's a challenge in your job? Um, good question. Um, I, you know, I've actually been very fortunate, I feel like, in my career. I feel like there's maybe been a small handful of clients that but they usually just always had something going on in their life. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know. There's, cha- there's. I mean, every job has a challenge, right? You mm. know, this furniture doesn't come in or that. or. But those are all small little details. I feel like I'm very fortunate to have a great... Yeah. Never had to fire a client? Um, no, I mean, I actually have. And it was... Yeah. It doesn't um, that feel great. But it was always because of something. Like oh, I, you mean they had something... You said something going on in their lives. There's... You know, people, uh, it's hard not to take it personally sometimes. You know, sometimes you're a house therapist. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah. But no, I had one client that she was just being very difficult. And um, I was getting feedback from friends saying, you should, just, you should just end it right here. And so I called her up and I was going to fire her. And she's like, before you speak, I have to let you know that I'm getting a divorce and I'm moving out. And I'm sorry I let everything out on you. Oh, wow. And it was, I hadn't even and started. people show their vulnerability like that, it's impossible to hate them, isn't it? Oh, it was. And then we did her new place as a single, and it was, worked out great. She's still a friend. Nice. Yeah, there's that 
David Foster Wallace uh, commencement address, you know, the, uh, this is the, the water, or this is water. And it's about, you know, the surly lady behind you at the supermarket line. And you don't have any idea what she's going through. Right. So just to give people the space to be themselves and work through it. And yeah. sometimes it's hard to be in the line of fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe I'm good at that. I don't know. <laughs> at dodging or uh, just absorbing? Absorbing. Yeah. yeah. And just being there. Because, again, I haven't had many, many issues. And it always ended up working out in the end. Yeah. And where did you get, I mean, when you say you've always done it, is this like going back to when you were a little girl with the dollies in the tea house and all that? The- well, yeah. I mean, I guess I've always been creative, been an artist. So I definitely was always going to be on that path. I mean, I went to, the plan was, I was always going to be an art professor. Really? So every visual art- arts. Yeah, every art teacher I've ever had in my life said, you need to be an art teacher because mm. I just love. Did you have a really nice line on your drawings? Was it like something that yeah, manifested early? Uh, yeah, I just it was just came really natural to me. And then at the same time, people would always look over my shoulder and I would love to explain to them how to do it. Hmm. Um, so I actually never thought of an interior design until I was trying to graduate with my undergrad in Minneapolis and I couldn't find an internship to save my life. And my husband, or then boyfriend, um, had an interior designer working on the hotel. And he told her about how I was having a difficult time finding just an internship. She asked a couple questions and she says, I don't even need to meet her. I will. I hire her. I'm going to hire her. She can start tomorrow and I'll pay her. Wow. (laughs) And I just. Was that uh, intimidating? No, at the time I was just, uh, I was just frustrated. I couldn't find an internship. And I Mm -hmm. guess everything happens for a reason because. Um, if I want to get something done, I can usually find, I can, I can make my way. So it was very unusual that I couldn't find an internship of all of Minneapolis. And then all of a sudden mm. this opportunity came. A paid opportunity. Yeah. You were and, prepared you know, to work When you're for in your nothing, 20s, huh? that was wonderful. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I started working for her and I never looked back. I wasn't even thinking about getting my master's or being an art professor. And that was always the game plan laid out for me. Yeah. Well, there's still time. Oh, no, I think I found my calling. I really do. I think that I went down that avenue and started working for her. And then I did actually go back to school and took some CAD programs and just kind of. Oh, yeah, I'll bet you that's uh, hard to keep up on because the technology changes so much, you know. Yeah. Those and CAD drawings. I remember those first very rudimentary mm-hmm. 64 graphic programs. But now it's just immersive. You can just There's walk through the rooms and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do that with clients? Do you take them on walkthroughs? Yeah, but I don't do it myself anymore. Like, it's just too much work. You just farm it out? Yeah. Yeah. People here in Ohio, or do you just have a network that you work with? Um, I have a couple people depending on, like, the what they want. So, no, I kind of outsource it out. There's one guy in Colorado and L.A. Yeah, it's amazing how that works. Is uh, artificial generalized intelligence having any impact on your business? I don't think so. I think the mm. internet years ago had a little bit of an influence because everybody can Google furniture and check things out. Or yeah. I'm sure it's going to tap into our industry, but I haven't noticed it. Yeah. Do you have a particular design style? No, I always say that because a lot of people have asked me that. And I'm always like, I think that if somebody says, hey, I don't like calamari. I'm like, you haven't right. You have not. Hey, don't like what? Calamari. Okay. Gotcha. It's my mid- Midwest accent. Okay. I do hear a bit of that. I've got one myself, but I try to mute it. 
Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's like code switching. I had a guy from Cleveland on here, Mike Milano, really interesting interview. And it was like, oh, where'd you park your car? Oh, over there by the garbage. Oh, God, the brownies suck. Oh, well, the bills are worse. They get your hopes up and then they break your heart. You know, it was like, couldn't get out of it. I literally could not get out of that accent. Oh, my gosh. So don't don't get me back in it. Okay. It's embarrassing for me. <laughs> you do a good job. <laughs> uh, but no, I just, I feel like with all design, I think uh, whatever style it is, I think it could be done right. Just kind of like if you said you didn't like a certain food, I would say you haven't met the right chef. So mm. it's just kind of be open-minded to it. And I think you have to kind of look at the architecture of a home and see what their lifestyle is and, and figure out what's right. But I never really instill my design. I always just whatever is right for that house and for that client. Um, yeah. But I like all design. Again, I come up for the challenge. I don't like being pigeonholed into one design. Yeah. Well, I know minimalism is a big thing now and cream and neutral colors. and. I like that myself. I think color accents have to be very specifically chosen mm -hmm. because I remember growing up in, you know, grandma's tea cozy clutter and everything. <laughs> I really just makes you anxious being around that. It's feng shui. I mean, it really does clutter your mind. Yeah. So. That was that Alan Watts quote. The uncluttered mind is vast. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I think that's very true. Yeah, I'm really into all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, what what are some of the styles? That, uh, what's going on? I don't know nothing about this. Tell me what's a what's a. Particular... I mean, I do follow a lot of designers, so I kind of feel like there's always a lot going on. I don't know if it's just one direction, but I guess the way that Aaron and I like to look at the design is that I hope that there's more conscious selections of furniture and getting more natural. You know. I natural think, materials yeah i think there's just been a lot of plastic or Naga there's not craftsmanship Remember anymore mm. yeah gross but yeah the craftsmanship is an important element because mm -hmm. a piece that you're going to have for 50 or 60 years or more you want to have a story to it that you can see somebody with skill put it together yeah i think that our grandparents and we have antiques from that generation but i feel mm. like there was a stretch where we kind of lost touch of that. And yeah, especially in California, I feel. You know, there are some really good woodworkers and furniture makers, and I have worked with some. And there Here are, in California? Oh, yeah. yeah I, I mean, thought they were all in North Carolina. You know, North Carolina is like the hub, like Hickory. North, but no, there's a lot of great places. And even working at the inn, that's the one nice thing is that the owners are like, we want to keep where the furniture that we're ordering keep in the U.S. Yeah, and it's hard because there's not as many manufacturers here. No, and it is a very craft manufacturing what there is. It's not, you know, Ikea flats of materials going out. But that's a good thing, I think. Yeah, but yeah, I think design-wise, I think it's just kind of a, especially in this area, I think people just are more conscious about what they're putting in their home and kind of an organic. I think people kind of have a boho kind of style here too. Yeah. But it all designs. It depends on what house they have because we see, I've kind of seen it all. It's a good mixture yeah. here in Ojai. Well, the um, materials, like what what do you favor to work with? I know you say natural, but like a wood. What's the what's your favorite wood? Well, like for cabinetry, I love white oak. Hmm. So I've been really instead of like you know everybody was doing white kitchens. Yeah. So I guess I I don't really think white kitchens are really in anymore. 
there's nothing wrong with white kitchens, but I like having a natural element, like natural woods and stains. Mm, a darker stain. Mm, not necessarily, you know, even like a white oak is pretty like a soft brown. Yeah. Oh, is it? I thought it was a little more pale. Yeah, Maybe pale. I'm thinking of something else. Yeah. But you can stain it up however yes. fits the rest of the decor, sure. Yeah, and there's all different kinds of way to go. So, but yeah. What about hardwoods, like the oak? and Like for flooring? Um, well, for anything, just using it as a material. Yeah, I like, I mean, any kind of woods, I love all that stuff. Yeah. So instead of like a laminate or a vinyl, is that, yeah, you know, right. or a MDF or something like yeah. that. And I think with like textiles, you know, I'm trying to be a lot more conscious of what I'm selecting for people's homes, like linens and cottons and stuff, like mm-hmm. a polyester. Yeah, well... This whole history of weaving and everything, it just fascinates me. Because the first computer program, you know, was for a loom. Oh. The jacquard looms. Oh, cool. It was like punch cards. They put them in there so it would, it would set up the bobbins to trace the patterns. Mm. Really interesting. This was like in the 1700s they were doing this. Yeah. Cool. Do you order from any of those famous places back in Belgium or France? With like rugs and so forth? Yeah. I think it's like India. We have one company and... Um, yeah, we have a couple manufacturers and yeah, they are overseas. There's, I think a couple in Georgia. So, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, where I grew up, it was famous for hardwoods in Chautauqua County. That was like the capital of furniture making in the U S from like the 1850s to the, you know, 1910s or something before all that work moved South. So you still find a lot of those big, gorgeous black walnut bureaus and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But that's one of the things about California is getting stuff here, antiques here, you know, by wagon train or sailing around the Cape of Good Hope. It was a massive undertaking. So everybody had to kind of adapt to what they had here. Although some of the pieces, you know, people bring in their fine china over mm-hmm. the over the Butterland stage, you know, it's it's really if you ever come across anything like that, or you do thrift stores and and flea markets and you know, I've had a couple designers work for me, take me to the, you know, the flea markets and so forth. Have you been to the Wednesday one here at the Ventura Fair? I have. And they had like a special traveling one once and it, that was really fun because they had yeah. some nice finds. Well, the one, the Wednesday one is interesting to me because it's pretty well divided between ridiculous cheap crap <laughs> that just tin badges and, you know, fog hat posters from the 70s and mm-hmm. and then it'll be these beautiful masks from you know some Oaxaca or mm-hmm. something with uh, you know all the interesting story that goes along with those it's really uh, yeah I think last time I went hit, there hit or miss I bought these beautiful copper bowls and vases and pictures and so forth so mm. those are the kind of things yeah, so do you ever, like, what, what, tell me about working with, how, how does it go? How does a job go? How do you work with clients? Like, they call you, and then it's like, where does it go from there? I mean, yeah, no clients or no project is the same, but, and it just depends on what stage we come on to the project. Typically, um, we like to be there from the beginning, but sometimes we have emergency calls where people are trying to do on their own and they kind of feel like they're at a roadblock <laughs> and they don't know what to do so yeah, we're pretty flexible so again yeah. it just there's not like really a set stage for every single project but usually 
in a perfect scenario, we're meeting with the client and the architect when they're first thinking about their project. Really? Before they even build? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Ideally, that's how it should always be. Hmm. You don't want to kind of call us afterwards because... Like we have, I have another project going on here in Ojai and we're doing that right now. So I'm working with the client and the architect and we're going back and forth because I'm looking at the project different than the architect. So yeah, we can't collaborate really well. Yeah. Um, and just never have that coulda, woulda, shoulda. It's just talk about all the options and, and, and go from there and just make sure that we don't regret it or wish we did this yeah. or that. Have you had clients change ideas midstream? Yeah, all the time. And then yeah. it's just our job to make sure that if we have to change something to make that work. Have you ever had to tell a client they have terrible taste? <laughs> no, but sometimes I have you to. Like, to. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's why I laughed. Um, sometimes I just always have to think there's a reason why they're hiring me. So, And then I want to make sure that we're not making choices that I really am against because then it's kind of just a disservice why they even hired me. So sometimes I'm just, it's very how you say something. Well, if this was my house or this is what I would do, you know, I just always want to make sure mm -hmm. that they don't do something and then look back and go, well, why did you let me do that? Yeah. Well, like you say, you're a, uh, interior therapist. Yeah. House therapist. House therapist. I say someday I'm going to write a book about that. Yeah. Do you ever <laughs> feel like these projects take on their own personality? Yeah. 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 I mean, like an entity almost. You know, we do, I just love what I do. I really do. So, yeah. you know, I have won the lottery tomorrow. I still would be doing this. Yeah. So I, I enjoy it. Yeah. I think that like every project and every client is fun and, and we really enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, David. That's my sales manager. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, that's a, another part of the scheme here is that we always have some, some weird thing happening. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, talking about the idea of Ojai, like what were some of the first things that you like noticed or came across or realized were going to be fun or going to be difficult or, you know, as far as just the style of the place? Well, there's just such a mixture coming from Palm Springs. <clears throat> I was, there was very I, much that mid-century modern, huh? Yeah. And I did so many of those homes and I felt very comfortable. So moving here was actually um, a nice challenge. I actually liked going to different homes and seeing different architecture and meeting with clients. So, yeah. and the clients here are just wonderful. I really do love Ojai. Yeah, I know. Where, where would you go besides Ojai? Where do you go from here? I don't know. My husband and I talk about that all the time because there's, you know, always been, you know, there's a lot of hotels around and sometimes yeah, there's opportunities it's, that it's pop up. It's a very peripatetic career being a hotelier. Usually their yeah. lifespan is like two, three years at each hotel. So we always thought we would be bouncing around a lot. Yeah, and why not? What happened? Why? Luckily, he's good at what he does. Yeah, well, it is a important position because what? How many people does he have working for him? Like eight hundred or something? Yeah, Over seven hundred mm -hmm. right? employees there. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. When he was on the podcast, we talked about getting through the pandemic and scaling up, scaling down, trying to keep people around. It was just a constant assault of news and. You know, usually bad news. Yeah, it was hard to manage through <clears throat> all that. But you got the inventory back up and really quickly. I think it was only like three or four months or something, right? Mm -hmm. And they're doing really, really well. Yeah. Were there days early in a pandemic where you thought, this is it, it's the end of the world, we're falling off a cliff? You know, I did go a little extreme and paralleled my Amazon boxes and did all that. So, but 
It was short-lived. Yeah. I'm glad that that. nobody's not, I shouldn't say nobody. I'm glad there's not as much fear based around it. Yeah. I think it's just part of the background now. Yeah. Every year we're going to have another variant and typically they'll get more and more attenuated. Right. So that it becomes just like the flu. Right. Because the flu, when it came, you know, the H1N1, that killed like, you know, between 60 and 100 million people. Wow. Yeah. You don't remember 1918? I do, but I don't think at that age I was even really paying attention or watching the news. You're, yeah, you were too busy fighting in the trenches in France. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was like a complete shock to the system. And yet, you know, we recovered fairly quickly and then we went mm-hmm. right into the roaring 20s. You feel that and that energy at all, like this, you know, renaissance, the, the regeneration of intent and creative purpose because I don't oh. I was hoping I would <laughs> yeah. yeah like a reboot or yes but that that surge of energy that was just that pent-up enthusiasm and the, you know the the human spirit that resilience I feel like I had that like once everything was starting to ease up I was like yes <laughs> yeah kids go back to school <laughs> yeah how many you have two kids two boys yeah. What ages are they now? 14 and 12. Oh, that's a good ages. That's about the time they stop respecting their parents. So Luckily, have we to... haven't had that yet, but we're very well, not, fortunate not to have that they've boys. told you. I mean, they're keeping it under wraps. Yeah, maybe behind our back. Yeah. Well, that's what <laughs> they told me anyway. <laughs> yeah. So is that how you and, well, we talked about Bunko, but you both have kids in, in school, right? What, what is that? whole scene because I remember when my kids they went to Nordoff Uh and that was like my social circle for oh you know those three or four years at least that the kids were playing sports and all oh I know it's just it's a lot I mean our days Aaron and I are very busy we wake Mm -hmm. up and we're getting our kids off to school going to the office running around till literally the very last second till we pick up our kids and And then you have a um you know you get those calls from the school like somebody got sick. sick Yeah, my son was just sick this past Tuesday. So luckily we have a a few people in the office. So we actually have a nice setup now where it's like, if I can't be there. Yeah, yeah. and you know, so it's kind of, we're all mothers at the office. And so there's always seems like there's one kid out. (laughs) You need to have at least one guy there for some kind of masculine polarity to keep it from. Yeah, I've had a couple guys work for me. So I'm, yeah. I'm open to... And who's going to kill the insects and, and so forth? Oh, I do. Are you, well, you grew up in the Midwest. It doesn't yeah. bother you at all, huh? Nah. Yeah. I like your shoes. you got tight shoe game. Oh, yeah? Thanks. Yeah. Actually, um, my husband has the tight shoe game. He's the uh, one that buys all my fancy shoes. Wow. I know. I'm the world's worst gift giver. Oh, yeah? But I remember uh, Thad Highland, who was there before your husband got there, oh, as yeah. managing director. I heard about him. Yeah. He was like the he, impeccable gift giving like always seem to know exactly the perfect thing yeah it's a talent it is i just admire it because i just have none of it i give i could tell stories about some of the terrible gifts i've given and the shame that i carry with me to this day for being well maybe somebody should start a business in ohio of gift giving especially during christmas i'll be very busy yeah well uh, like a holiday concierge yeah yeah. Well, it isn't going to be me. <laughs> yeah. So what What are the, you know, like growing, having kids in Ohio, like what, what do you think they're getting out of this? 
Well, that's why we're in Ojai, because when Chris got the job opportunity at the inn, um, we had been to Ojai a couple times on vacation, and we just oh, loved it. At the inn? Yeah, we stay at the inn, and uh, actually my husband, would, we would go to the inn, and he would say, I would work here. I love this place. So. Was he pointing out things, and oh, what's going up with that, and oh, get that hose out of the way, and oh, there's pieces of dried gum in the shrubbery. Oh, I can't believe these people. Well, he does that now, but back in the day, no, he just, we just loved it, and we thought it was magical, and still do. But, yeah. um, you know, that's, he always said he wanted to work there, and I guess, you know. And that's how it is. That's how it yeah. works. And then when we, he got the job opportunity, we had, you know, a two-year-old and a four-month-old. And wow. we came up here to start looking at homes. And when we were talking to all the locals, everyone said, over and over again, this is the best place to raise kids. Yeah. And so that's ultimately why we did it. Because we, you know, the desert's great. We actually really like Palm Springs area. Um, but... Ohio just seemed like a much better place to raise the kids. I think so. I'm not exact. You know, part of it is you kind of got eyes on the street. People are, you know, it takes a village, all that kind of stuff. You know, you can kind of let your kids run wild and not have to worry too much about it. It's not a place for helicopter parents. Right. Yeah, I say that almost every day. I'm like, I have eyes on you, and if it's not me, it's somebody else. So you better be wearing that helmet. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. The, the thing we used to. Uh, throw snowballs at cars so we'd hide behind the snowbank and you know people would stop and we'd run and they always knew my parents and they would always tell them and it was like oh my goodness we're gonna have to stop doing this or I'm gonna have to run faster <laughs> one of the two that's the nice thing about being in a small town that's what I love about it yeah yeah there's a are you familiar with that book a pattern language no, no. Christopher Alexander well for example it's about how our lived spaces you know, we, how it affects our lives mm -hmm. and how these patterns, these universal patterns, and I think there's like 230 of them. I'm looking around to see if I've got the book. Mm -hmm. If you're interested, I'll let you borrow it or you can even have it. I yeah, just I really think that. But it tells every little chapter is a different pattern. Mm -hmm. But one of the patterns is about, you know, it starts with like an individual, like how do you want to design your space for like, a, like infants and toddlers all the way up to like you're an old retired guy, you want to have a place to smoke your pipe and read your newspaper. Mm -hmm. And when you're kids, you want to have like, you know, places to hide, you know. And it really goes deep. It's a great book. Nice. But one of the, it's this guy, uh, <clears throat> Christopher Alexander, who is a professor at the University of Oregon and has been there. And it's all his graduate students. So there's like 40 authors. <clears throat> but one of the things that was fun, and this was after the book came out, but they were redoing the quad at the University of Oregon, and it was a big quad. It's a beautiful campus, but they put no pavement in, no pavement on the quad at all, no sidewalks or anything until it had been like a year or more that people were, you know, how they walked and how they moved naturally, and then they paved based on, on that. So there were very few straight lines, and it was just, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it is really, it's an experience. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> but if you like patterns, if you like how people move through their world and why. Yeah. But a lot of it is very relevant to Ojai because he talks about the perfect size of a community. 7,400. Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what we are. It's probably Arbolada streets were built like that too. <laughs> oh my goodness. With, I know I lived in Arbolada for a while and and just like if you're riding your bike through there, you're taking your life into your hands. You know, does we lived there for a little while too, and it makes me very nervous, especially yeah. these e-bikes. 
I know, I go, I deal with that every day. And they're so cocksure. They're just like, get out of my way. Like they own that bike trail. Or the streets. <clears throat> and I maybe I'm a little bit of a helicopter mom, but every time I see one without a helmet, I get mad. I'm like, put your yeah. helmet on. Yeah, I started wearing my helmet. You know, when I first riding bikes here, I thought, nah, I don't need it. But I don't know. It's like I don't have that much brain power to go around. I can't only take so many hits. Yeah. Um, we're talking about architects. Do you have favorites here or any of the? Have you ever walked into a home in Ohio and just been blown away? Yeah, I mean, there's so many amazing homes here in Ohio. Um, <clears throat> I couldn't say like I walked into a house and knew the architect. I mean, I've worked on a house that was a George Washington. You know, up in Arbolada, off of like Bristol, up there in Foothill. Was that the Clarks? I think the last name was Quinn. Quinn. Okay, I think I remember them talking about. I think they moved away. Yeah. So I worked on their house, and so they had the bronze plaque outside and all that stuff. And then you know Wallace Neff. um, Mm -hmm. I haven't been to a house he's done here, but the stuff at the inn. Oh yeah, it's not really something at all. You know, it was the fire of 1917 that just wiped the slate clean because it was all Ohio you know, just basic thrown together frame buildings, no arcade. It was a dusty little cow town. But then, you know, these wealthy Eastern industrialists, you know, Edward Drummond Libby, especially, who just had a vision for this place. And they brought in the best architects, Mead and Requa, Wallace Neff, all those people to reshape this community based on the World's Fair or the Chicago uh, Pan Am exhibit of 1893. Mm-hmm. Did you ever read that book about the serial killer that was the white, the something of the devil in the white castle or something? <laughs> no. No, it was, a, it was a popular book like 10 years ago, but just talking about the world's, how that Pan Am exhibit, you know, tens of millions of people that came there. But one of the exhibits was, you know, the city, the city beautiful movement, which Libby and others were just fascinated by. And they transported that vision to Ojai, like the post office towers based on that famous tower in Havana. Mm. But just, you know, the idea that our environment shape us, that was like the first time people really put that into practice. Mm. So Ojai was a very intentional community from the get-go. But yeah, it all started with the fire, you know, having a blank slate, creative destruction. Yeah. And it's a beautiful place to be, so I can see, and it's not so far away from L.A. to kind of have all these famous architects come up. Yeah, well, especially some of the, you know, have you ever looked at these buildings here just from a, you know, step back and looked at them from a design? We're talking about the back of the arcade. Mm-hmm. And it's like the way they, you know, that's a brutalism style, which people think brutalism, they think like those horrible Soviet apartment blocks, but it's not really. It's, you know, made with, cheap materials or what was available and a very clean design. But if you look at the way the staircases go and the way the windows are situated, it's actually pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's part of that. So I'm hoping for you as a business person, you feel that good feng shui. Yeah. No, I, we really like our space and we've been, you know, we're actually not op- uh, technically open. We're having our grand opening in just a couple weeks, but... We just love the space, and every time somebody does come in, like one of our current clients, they're always like, it feels so nice in here. Such a yeah. nice compliment. 
Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. I think we just kind of naturally are doing feng shui. I mean, I do know a lot about feng shui and I love all that stuff, but mm-hmm. I think it's just a natural thing. We don't even consciously like are doing elements or doing feng shui. It's just kind of in our bones. Yeah. Well, that finding that equilibrium, the flow, the chi of a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we were talking about Marie Kondo at one point, I think, or yeah, you're, you're a fan. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I think we were saying that she lived here, but maybe mm-hmm. not anymore. But uh, I've read I don't all know. Her I haven't books. seen her around lately. I used to see her with her little kids coming around here to go to Bonnie Lou's. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they were so they were adorable. I think everybody should. You know, we were saying cut, like a cluttered home or a cluttered mind. I think mm-hmm. that she really normalized all of that and just was like, this should be in everyone's home. You know, just. You don't want to hoard things or clutter things. And, yeah, you know, I love the idea that, you know, she could have easily got diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder and they might have medicated it right out of her. Oh. <laughs> but she turned it into a industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a little sad when she opened the retail because it's just more stuff. But, you know, she's so specific with things. I'm sure everything is very well chosen. I didn't even know she had a retail store at that school. I, I don't know whether she followed through with it, but they were going to open a, you know, a small chain of them. It's a business. I'm sure it's just like her. Yeah. Manager. Well, when she did that show, do you remember what she do like a business makeover? Did you? Yeah, I watched that all show? that. Yeah. They, the opening credits, they would, you know, so all the B-roll shots were of Ojai. The light coming through the orchards and the big windows and the house, which it was up on Foothill. And it was just like, oh, wow, this is where I live. Oh, my God. I mean, if you're just a casual viewer, you're not going to pick up that that's our backyard. But when you do, it's a thrill. I just thought it was really well done. So have you read her book and have you done? Both books. Well, I read the two books, The Magic Art of Tiding and then what was the other one? I probably got one here around here somewhere. And did you do it? Did you like take I did. everything I got, out of I got pretty obsessed with it. I mean, obviously looking around my office, you can tell I've slipped, backslid a little bit. But, you know, yes, I gave it to my girlfriend and she really just rode that wave. She became very obsessed. Just the folding. She loved the folding. Mm-hmm. It was just very soothing to have those those folds, the way that she would do it. And roll things up and stack them vertically so you mm-hmm. can see everything at a glance. Yep. Very, very important stuff. I never even really thought about that. Very effective. Very satisfying. So if I were to pull open one of your drawers right now, everything would be stacked vertically? It actually is, but it's due to my help from my cleaning lady. Oh, you, you taught her or she taught you? Um, I had it like that, so then uh, she kind of just kept on doing kind it. Kind of patterns, yeah. Well, the um, that just freeing up your mind, I just found that so therapeutic. So I got rid of a lot of stuff. Yeah, yes. well, you hold stuff. You feel it, you thank it for its service, mm-hmm. and then you let it go. I think mentally that process is very important. Yeah, because you can't hold on to everything. It's just like, it just weighs you down. At a certain point, you don't own things. They own you. They really stake a claim on your mental space. Yeah, just let it go and then be joy for somebody else. Yeah. Well, I really need to go do another round the thing that really uh, sticks with me is my clothes. Like in my closet, you'll see everything goes from left to right, dark to to white. And I'm like, a, something, some 
blue shirt is in the middle of the white ones, it'll freak me out. <laughs> I, like, I could visibly shiver from anxiety. Oh. So she definitely got a hold of me. I never, I was like that before. When I grew up, my mom was a terrible housekeeper. The house was a total mess. There were six of us, you know, where there were eight of us in the house with my mom and dad and farmers and everything was always tracking in mud and the clothes on the dining room table, not folded, just laundry thrown up there. The only time of the year that we clean it off was for Thanksgiving. We host like 24, 25 people. But I just remember my room was tight. I kept my room clean. It was like the one space that I had control over. There you go. Yeah. And then when it got to the military, it was like part of the, it was already in my DNA. I just breezed through all those inspections and, you know, helped the other guys get their stuff squared away. Because I, you know, the whole nine yards, you know, that one of the ways that started from was your foot, your foot locker and your dorm at the foot of your bed was one yard by three yards. It was nine cubic yards or nine cubic feet. No, nine cubic yards. Yeah. So when they say the whole nine yards, they're talking about all of your worldly possessions in one space. Oh, yeah. Learn something new every day. Well, I might have just made that up, too. Oh. <laughs> no, that's, that's what, how it was received from us, yeah. It, the other way that hold nine yards I heard about was the uh, submachine guns, the Browning submachine guns. It was nine yards long, the cartridge belts. But I don't know, man, things get changed like that. I guess you just take your own meaning. You make your own meaning out of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of which, what what is like going on in, you know, the design world and trends and things that are coming and going? And I um I think where's it headed? Well, <clears throat> I guess just the way I look at it is that you shouldn't follow any trends. You should just do what makes you happy. Yeah. You know, because I really don't think that like if there it's a purple phase right now. If you don't like purple, you know, or if you don't like boho, or if you don't like white kitchens, like remember shabby chic. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many. So I don't really follow what's really. I mean, I, what I like to see is that the white kitchens are kind of going away, and then you're mm-hmm. seeing more. Because sometimes you, you would see white kitchens in homes that were Spanish or yeah, they you seemed know. out of place. Yeah, so I kind of mm-hmm. like that. Maybe the trend is is that you don't follow the trend and you just do what's right and what you want. And that you can convince the client to go along with. And Do you have to talk them out of bad decisions? You did talk about sometimes. that a little bit, but how does that work? Like I said, I, just, I think I'm just very conscious sometimes of when I say stuff. So I feel like I kind of see the same things over and over again when we're in design projects. I'm just like, well, again, I don't want to not speak up because then I feel like, what's the point? If mm. I'm... If, you know, that's what they're hiring me for. But at the same time, I don't want to overstep my boundaries if it's something they really want. So yeah. as long as I make sure that I say and explain clearly, like, oh, well, let's explore this or let's talk about this. or And, and this is why. Mm-hmm. So um, did Marie Kondo change the way you look at projects? No, I think with Marie Kondo, what I learned from her is that sometimes it's best to maybe start with a clean slate. Like sometimes people, mm-hmm. like I've been to homes where it was very cluttery and all that stuff. I think it's probably a really good approach to read one of her books, declutter things, and then start thinking about a renovation or so forth. Because otherwise mm-hmm. you just kind of have way too much. Just shifting up on clutter from one corner to another. 
Yeah, and then not knowing what to use with a space or that. So I think what she taught me is that, like, maybe have a, yeah, a clean canvas when you first start on, on yeah. things. Otherwise, maybe you're searching for something else. Yeah, and the mental attachment that goes along with stuff, man, I imagine it's people really... You can kind of unravel it and see what's, you know, what is what it really... What it's all about, really, yeah, because it's probably projecting onto their, their stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, their homes are very intimate places, so there's a lot, you know, it's hard. And then, you know, when you renovate or build a home or, or you know, it's a costly endeavor, so... Yeah, it's a major commitment. Yeah, a lot of decisions made. And then sometimes, you know, couples don't see eye to eye. Yeah. What was the, that, the War of the Roses... Is that remember a movie? that with Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner? You don't remember. Oh, I but guess it was we're like not movie how, how uh, you know they're they're so in love with this the house and the and the project, and mm-hmm. then you know you can imagine where it goes. You know, hilarity ensues. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they say like yeah, like there's like top five things that people get divorces from. Four yeah. of them are related to houses. I think so. Yeah. Hmm. Have you ever seen that happen? Uh, well, that one I said before where oh, she was Oh, I thought being, she was already getting separated. Or, she, I or think it was happening during the... Yeah, I think they were having issues, and I think then they wanted me to renovate the place. I had hardly even started, and she was already kind of on me. Yeah. And um, and I think then she recognized it. And, and then, was able to step back and had enough self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. I see how that happens. But have I had many of those? No. But that was just like, it was very black and white. Yeah. Well, I have a friend who's a hoarder, and it's all newspaper clippings from the 1960s and stuff. And, you know, he's an older gentleman now, but I just go over there and you're navigating through his past, through his his boxes and everything. And, you know, his daughter is going to have to clean all that out. Like, he's just leaving a mess for her. Have you ever had to deal with hoarders or people that have a tendency towards that well for a while we had a staging we did home staging for a handful of years we don't do anymore but um we did witness a lot of that stuff where people just were somebody had passed away or somebody was trying to leave a home that they were there for a long time so we did deal with it but actually there's some organizers around here that actually did a really good job oh really in ojai um, there was a, <clears throat> there is one in Ojai, I can't remember her name, but, um, there's one lady in Ojai and then there's a, a few in Ventura. So yeah. they're around here and they can co- come in and, and really kind of go through everything. Yeah. I know somebody in the Bay area that does that mm-hmm. and you cannot have the people around at all when you're doing that. They can't even, you got to send them out on a vacation or something. That would be the ideal situation. Yeah. And you know, it's just... That emotional attachment people have to stuff. Um, you know, one of the things I disagreed with Marie Kondo about, and because she was like, what, in her late 20s when she wrote that book? Mm-hmm. Get rid of all your photos, all your books and all your photos. And, you know, yeah, because if you're in that young, you don't have the, you know, the attachment to memories in the same way. Yeah. But don't, don't wouldn't you want to? You know, you don't know what you're going to value when you get into your 70s or 80s and people that are no longer around. And I don't know. I just got to be a happy medium. 
I didn't get rid of any of my photos. And I have a funny story where it made me think of it. I have yearbooks from when I was like in elementary school. Oh, from elementary school. Wow. I know. I have a whole like cabinet. Are you a closet hoarder? Uh, well, maybe in that sense. <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> I have yearbooks and photo albums. So I've kind of kept them around. And good thing I did because ironically, my son's in sixth grade mm-hmm. and he has a buddy. And when I went to go pick him up from a play date, I started talking to the mom and she went to the same elementary school as me in Minnesota. Wow. And she, I think, uh, moved around how a far, lot. How far apart? Two years. Wow. And we started talking and then I looked at my yearbook and I found her photo. And, and showed I, it to her? Uh-huh, when she was in sixth grade. Wow. The yes. irony where it's like I kept it and then all of a sudden like we're here in Ojai in this small little town yeah. in California. And, and if, you'd have, if you'd been a true Marie Kondo devotee. I would have gotten rid of it. You got gotten rid of it and you would not have had that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Elementary <laughs> school yearbooks. Yeah. And like, you know, Minnesota. Crazy. Yeah. Where in Minnesota did you grow up exactly? Minnetonka. It's like a suburb of Minneapolis. North or south? West. West. Yeah. How, what was the population? Huge. I mean, oh, like I graduated with like 800 kids in my class in oh, high school. My. And I remember seeing next to somebody and I had never seen them. That's something. Because with my school, we had 40 in our graduating class or 41. Mm-hmm. And all kids, you know, from kindergarten on the whole, whole time. And that was just one here. If you went five miles down where I grew up, there would be, be another high school another with the same. Yep. People. All over. Yeah. So yeah, millions and millions of people in the suburbs of Minneapolis, so. Yeah, do you miss those winters? Not at all. No, I sort of <laughs> do, you know. Do you? I do, there's something about going ice fishing on a Saturday full moon, hauling your st- stuff on a sled out there on Lake Chautauqua or Lake Erie. Hey, don't you know? <clears throat> don't you know, yeah. <laughs> The walleye. Oh, they I t- do miss that. They taste like candy. And I miss the people. I mean, I do. There are things. I mean, I moved right when I was like in my early 20s, but I love Minnesota, but I don't miss growing up like an Eskimo, but I do miss the people. Yeah. But that's why I like Ojai. I kind of would say a lot to my friends back home. I would say Ojai is kind of like a Midwest town in California. Mm-hmm. You know? Midwest town with Mediterranean weather. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> How yeah. often do you go back? Uh, well, we, my family has kind of moved, like my parents are retired now and they're in the Palm mm. Springs area. Oh. So I don't go back to Minneapolis as often, only when like a cousin gets married or so forth. Mm-hmm. But Chris's whole family is still in Wisconsin, so we go back almost every year. Yeah, and they owned a restaurant, right? Yeah, they had a Wisconsin house, his parents owned. Wow. Yeah. yeah Friday fish fries. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> still a big thing those. out there. Yeah. Yellow perch. They're even more delicious than walleye. You think? I do. I think yellow perch are tastier. They're in the same family. Yeah. And they're smaller and the meat's a little tighter. And if you pull them up through the ice Mm. and then just fry them right up there in your ice house, you know, out on the lake, I don't think food can be. Yeah. It's candy. It really is. I, I miss some elements. I used to go back every year. My son, we see a Buffalo Bills game and we go steelhead fishing, but I haven't done that since the pandemic. I want to get back to that. I can't believe my brothers are still alive. You know, they're 15 or 13 and 15 years older. So it was like having, you know, more dads because they were very paternal. But, you know, it's just. And where did you grow up exactly? In Chautauqua County, west of Buffalo, about 50 miles. Okay. Yeah. 
It's uh, it's beautiful. I mean, really gorgeous. If you love to fish and hunt, it's heaven. Hmm. But you got the north end of the Allegheny Mountains, which is part of the Appalachian chain, just ends right there. And just the hill right above our farm, you could see just right straight into Canada. Just beautiful. It was St. Catharines and... Yeah, St. Catharines and Port Colburn were big free communities. That's where all the run, all the runaway fugitive slaves would go after, you know, escaping. So something like five or ten thousand slaves went through my little town in, you know, the eighteen fifties and sixties. There's a lot of history over there. We, my family, has a property in Vermont, so we go back there every summer. Oh wow! And it's four miles from the Canadian border. Wow. How? So what do you do there? Just actually, it's a place where when I was younger, I would grow. I, I would grow like when growing up, I would go there during the summertime, and it's just lake living. That's pretty much all you do. Yeah. You're just on the canoes. lake, and yep, canoes, kayaks. You know, we have like the paddle boards and all that stuff now. And yeah. We go to. Did you ever take friends from Minneapolis with you from Minnesota, like your school friend during the summer? No, just... it was more of a family thing. But yeah. um, actually, we took some friends from Ohio just the other. Year. Oh, it's still in the family? Oh, yeah, still in the family. We actually were just there this summer, so we go every summer. No Wi-Fi, no TV, and... Uh, a digital detox. I love it. Yeah, I'll bet. I miss that. Because we're always connected, and especially my kids. So um, I love when it usually takes like a day for our kids just to kind of unravel, and then they completely forget about it. And yeah. we're just on the lake and having bonfires every night. So nothing yeah. really exciting except for that. That's, but that's the whole point. Yep. Nothing exciting. Low is your cortisol levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. Okay, well, we'll wrap up here. Um, one question I like to ask is um, grab and go. Okay, if you a fire coming and mudslides, whatever, all real situations that can happen yeah. here. What are you going to grab besides your, you know, the, your family and maybe your pet? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Even or with are the there Thomas any of fire. your family members you want to leave behind? <laughs> you know, with, even with the Thomas fire, I got out really early, and I barely grabbed anything. Um, mm-hmm. I think I grabbed a couple photo albums, and that was pretty much it, and I ran out the door. So mm-hmm. I don't really know if I'm really that attached to many materials, because yeah. I even had that example, and I had to go to Target and start buying clothes, because I didn't think we were going to be evacuated for so long. Yeah. So... I don't know if there's not anything that comes to mind that I have to have. As long as I'm with my family, I think I'm fine. That's awesome. Well, good place to end. So thanks, Janelle. Well, thanks for having me. Hey, Brett Bradigan here, just thinking out loud. So that was a fun one for me. I'm not really, you know, it's not my world. And it's not my, you know, passion for design. But it is one of those things, when it's done well, it really has a positive, powerful influence on just your general demeanor and attitude. So it was a real pleasure for me to be able to talk to someone who is immersed in that world and her partner, Aaron Bernstein, sitting here. And uh, I just thought, where else but Ohio? Like, to be able to practice a craft like that in such a gorgeous place with you know, the architects that have built here and to be part of that world. It's something I think about every day. Anyway, that's it for this episode of Ojai Talk of the Town. We'll keep an ear out for you.